Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Church Williamsport podcast. I'm Mitch, and each week, Pastor Janet and I will be talking more in depth about the message from Sunday morning, asking some tough questions, and setting aside time to focus on God throughout our weeks. Now this week, we're going to be talking about separation and connection from God. I think it's a good one. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome back. Uh, today we're going to be talking about separation and connection with God. Uh, it, but before we get into our conversation, Janet, would you be uh, willing to read Romans 8, verses 31 through 39? Absolutely. Thanks, Mitch. This is the passage that we looked at on Sunday. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hmm. I feel like saying amen. Yeah, yeah, amen. (laughs) Well, Romans 8 is a turning point in the book of Romans, and it's been referred to or is referred to as one of the most loved passages in Scripture. And so I guess to kick us off today... Why is this referred to as one of the most loved passages in Scripture? Yeah, well, I th- um, I think there's probably, obviously, I don't know for sure, but I think there's probably a couple of reasons. One is that there are just some beautiful promises here in Romans 8, and I just read some of them. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's something to hold on to. Uh, also, it's not in this particular part of Romans 8, but just before this, there's the well-quoted Romans 8:28. all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. A lot of people have that one memorized. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that kind of leads into another reason why I believe this is such a beloved passage. I think we tend to love Scripture the most when we are familiar with it the most. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people love Psalm 23 because we hear Psalm 23 often. There is something about Scripture just becoming part of us, which is a really good thing that causes us to value it more. And I think there is a number of parts of Romans 8 that are just part of people. Yeah, I remember when I memorized my first very, very long passage of Scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians, almost the entirety of chapter 5, in that we were challenged to to memorize that. Uh, And whenever someone asks me, what's your favorite 
passage of scripture, I was Second Corinthians five, uh, because it's it's it was just so deeply part talking about ambassadorship, right, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's uh, beautiful. That's but, exactly that's a great example of the point that I was making mm-hmm. because yeah. you, you you get to be obviously familiar with it, but uh, it really starts to contextualize like what does it mean to you, right? How does it speak into your life uh, and become part of part of who you are? Absolutely. A psalmist says that we're to meditate on scripture and meditate actually means to chew. Mm-hmm. And you can't chew on it much when it's only in the book. But wow, when it's like inside of you, you can chew on it all you all the time. Yeah. Well, this this uh, passage of scripture, specifically 31 through 39, has a lot of theology in it. And it has a lot of other concepts in it. It has Things that we put on coffee cups, you know, and uh, a lot of different, uh, I mean, uh, memorizable uh, verses. So there's a lot to talk. That's my way of saying there's a lot we can talk about uh, inside of this. But with our limited time, we talked about uh, this conversation of separation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so Janet, where do you see separation like, in this uh, passage of Scripture? And and what does that mean in in relationship to where Paul is coming from, uh, uh, in this in this moment in chapter eight, pivoting from seven to this conversation or this revelation of God speaking in this way? Yeah, that's a big question. So when if we look at if we kind of backtrack to go through where we've been in Romans, you know, Paul starts out by in uh, particularly chapter one and chapter two, kind of making the point that we've all sinned, Jew and Gentile. And he even directly says that when he gets to chapter three, he makes the case for um, that we are saved by faith. Um, and that we are righteous through faith in Christ. He uses the example of Abraham in chapter 4. And then we moved through 5, in which we're looking back at Adam and how sin has entered this world. Um, We we looked at, in chapter 6, about slaves to righteousness or slaves to sin. We saw in chapter 7 how even the law, which God gave as holy and just and a blessing to people, was kind of contorted Mm. by sin. And now finally, Mm. we've gotten to chapter eight, where Paul is starting to explain, this is life in the spirit. Yeah. So it's almost like there's this all this tension and tension and tension and tension. And when are we going to get any sort of resolution? Yeah. And here is this assurance. Yeah. Yeah. That there is a different kind of life. And this is what this life looks like. And part of what, like, there's a lot here in chapter eight, but as in the section we're looking at here, part of what it looks like is that we are in Christ. Nothing will separate us from that. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's, a, a, well, I guess we'll just go through questions as they come because there's, again, there's so much here. But I, my first reaction is, is if it's stated so clearly, why do we so easily forget this? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think that's a really good question. Um, I think like an easy answer um, is that, you know, sin is in the world and sin separates us from God. And this is, you know, Paul has this concept of already, not yet. You know, Christ has already assured victory over sin and death, but that has not yet been fully realized. And so we are still living in a world in which there is sin 
which separates us. Um, and sometimes we experience that as hardship. You know, sometimes we go through really hard things and it causes us to question, you know, God's presence with us, God's love for us. Sometimes it's choices that we make. We choose to sin and that separates us. Um, but I think there's also the case, um, and we talked about this some before we started recording, that um, sometimes I think we haven't really even fully entered into and believed in the love and trusted mm -hmm. the love of God. Yeah, and this leads us into some dicey conversations, so you can buckle up. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that is true is that about a third of uh, churchgoers after the pandemic decided not to go back to church, uh, and and so like to your point of of and maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but but the, there's this question: Well, why? Uh, and we we said in our again in our conversation before is that they weren't experiencing God in the format in the expression of Christianity that they were they were participating in, which gets to a, a series of questions. But why uh, why is it that they were they were going through well, we can say going through the motions or they were they were participating in a certain way. And, but they were still finding lacking in it because when we read the scripture, who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't right. want to be in relationship with God? And it seems like people are are searching, or they're they are again they are putting themselves into these places, whether it's going to church on Sunday or going on mission trips, and then and then they're saying, well, I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure it's happening. I what does that even mean? What I feel like maybe they are, you know, maybe I'm separated from God, and I don't, I don't know if they use that language. So, so anyway, yeah, how do we make sense of this? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Uh, I think why does anyone come to church on Sunday? Well, the really good reason is that you want it. You want to worship God, mm -hmm. and if you're going to worship God, that means you're going to experience God in some way. Mm -hmm. And then the question comes in: Well, what does that look like? Yeah, You know, does it look like uh, that I get goosebumps and have a warm feeling inside? Mm -hmm. You know, that's probably not going to happen every single time you go to worship on Sunday. Right. Uh, but if you never have the sense that I am in the presence of the holy, mm -hmm. then there's something missing. Yeah. You know, and I think there's been something missing for a lot of people. I mean, like for me personally, I do my devotions in the morning so that I can experience God on a personal level. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my corporate experience of God uh, on Sunday morning, but my personal experience of God on a daily basis. Every single day when I do my devotions, I don't have this sense like, whoa, mm -hmm. <laughs> God is with me. Uh, but that's a discipline that I do so that sometimes I have that experience. If I never have that experience, I'm missing something. Yeah. Well, uh, what what are some of the things that do you that you think that we as individuals tell ourselves? Uh, what's a narrative that we live into when thinking about how we're supposed to uh, connect with God? Does that, does that question make sense? It does make sense. Well, I, I'd be curious what you think about this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, one thought that comes to my mind is that 
I have to be somehow super Christian in order to have an experience of God. Mm. I think mm-hmm. that's a something that we tell ourselves, you know, that experiences of God are rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly, you know, even scripture says, you know, Samuel, going back to the Old Testament when he was a child and he was in the temple and God was speaking to him, didn't know that it was God. And Eli, the priest, didn't believe it could be God because uh, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, I think is the way that scripture mm. says it. And I think sometimes we fall into that, like, is God really going to speak to me? Or, you know, is that something? you know, for people like Billy Graham type Mm -hmm. people, you know? Right. What what would you say to that? Well, I I mean, I I think that there's a set of behaviors that we have grown accustomed to associating with Christian life. And I'm not even saying that this is necessarily wrong, uh, but, but I think the list would go something like go to church on Sunday, go on mission trips, um, uh, be in a Bible study, and I—I'm—am I, I missing anything? Uh, do tithe, mm. perhaps? Mm. Uh, and so there's kind of this this list that we've created for what it means for us to to live a Christian life. Again, I'm not saying it's all wrong, or or, but what I am saying is that there's more. And if the narrative that that we live into is, is that we we've check 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 check, and there's not a movement or uh, uh, we're not compelled to take this into our work or our relationships or think critically about how like what does sacrifice and what does risk look like. Uh, it for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of building the kingdom, where we, you, you, I remember you talked about, uh, I think it was, was it Philip Yancey, the Jesus factor? Uh, long, a, a sermon a long time ago. I have to be careful what I say to you, Mitch, because you remember. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, but but well, the, this, that that we have to make room for Jesus mm. to work in our lives, mm. and when everything is neat and orderly, mm. and and we have control over, and we think we have control over mm. every aspect of our Christian life. Uh, or our faith life, then there's not a whole lot of room for faith because mm. everything is so controlled. It's so organized. We uh, don't need God. Right. Yeah. We, we, we create our Christian life or we fabricate it in a way that that doesn't need to rely on God, as you're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we, I think when, we, when we're intentional for create, like, uh, uh, making room and taking steps of faith, uh, whatever that looks like, um, in community with others, then we start to experience something different, right? Which goes back to my, I think, one of my observations for why so many people decided this church or this this Christian expression isn't necessarily for me coming out of the pandemic was that people were basically doing a value check. They were saying, is, is there, is this, do I see my input in this Christian faith really uh, creating any sort of difference, Mm -hmm. whether it's in my life or in the community. And a lot of people probably said, well, you know, I'm not so sure. I think you're right. Yeah. It's not the way it's intended to be. And it's not the way it, in which gets to, I think, my challenge, or at least part of my challenge, uh, it, which is, I think there's a challenge that needs to be issued on both sides. 
of the individual of what are they bringing. But I'll speak. You can speak to the individual. But um, and uh, I, I, I. But my challenge comes to leadership. Honestly, is that if if what we're doing in faith communities in leadership is saying, here's this checklist of things for you to do. And if you do it, great, you fit in to this neat and tidy uh, uh, expression of faith. We're not setting people up to experience Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, and it, because it's because the experience of Jesus is, is both communal and it is personal. And so I, I do believe that there's been a, uh, a lack of critical thinking, a lack of creativity, a lack of innovation inside of the church that is basically uh, trying to challenge Christians to go and embrace this gospel, embrace their faith, to take it into whatever places that that it that should be taken into. Because I can't say what that's going to look like for you, and you can't say what that's going to look like for me. So there are communal, corporate things we do together, but I think there are also issuing of well, hey, if this is all it is, we're missing a big part of of what it means to to live a life of faith. Mm. So can you think of an example of how we as a church or a church has not fallen uh, prey to that, Mm. uh, has actually done something that has invited, made room for the presence of God and experience of the holy? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I I have a lot of examples, actually. And so, so there was a church out in Seattle and they could count down the the days to when they were going to need to close their doors. And uh, in the end, what they they got together and said, "What are we going to do? Are we going to continue down this road as is, or are we going to do something different?" And they went out and just they prayed in the community and prayed in the community, and they were observing, getting to know. And all of a sudden, uh, they said, you know what, we're going to do something different. And they started creating something called Dinner Church. And this is actually Verlin Fosner and Melody Foz. This is their story, uh, who started, and they've been huge uh, uh, factors in this Dinner Church movement to the point that they that they uh, sold their building and that they started creating these dinner churches all around Seattle to eat with people, build relationships with individuals. So that's one example. Uh, another example is that I've heard of architecture firms that have Christian architecture firms that have have rethought how they approach that work. And the uh, when building church buildings, uh, new they actually do community assessments first, and they don't build the churches first and foremost for the church members. They build the those buildings for the community, and then they ask the question: How does the church fit inside of this? Rather than what has normally been done is how do we build this for the church and then ask the question how the community fits inside of it. So they flip that upside Mm. down. Mm. Brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. I Mm. I could keep going, but those Mm. are two immediate examples. Do you have a local example? A a time in which you experienced the presence of God or you felt like people experienced the presence of God when you were physically present here Mm -hmm. in worship? Well, I would say in my home might be one of the the most uh, prominent examples. And mm-hmm. so we started the Axe Network at the church maybe seven years ago now. 
And one of the expressions was every other Tuesday, we would get together in either my home uh, or in my parents' home. And we invited all our neighbors and we invite community people to come and, and share in a meal and play board games and get to know each other. We'd interview each other. We would, and slowly it started to evolve into a space where people could talk about faith, ask questions, read scripture, pray with one another, sing. It was absolutely astounding. Mm-hmm. And the what when it really really hit me was when actually one of the gentlemen passed away suddenly. That was that would attend uh, every week. And his mother got a hold of us and asked if we would be do the memorial service because that was his church. Mm. And looking back on that experience was uh, and reflecting on how how that was a place where Christian, non-Christian, Jew, Muslim got together and talked about uh, the Bible <laughs> and loved one another and prayed with each other and talked about who Jesus is was just absolutely amazing. Um, and so that was probably a local example of how I was uh, deeply impacted there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking about how one time when I recently experienced this was over the summer there, um, when we were doing encounters with Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Matt preached on the encounter of John the Baptist. And the worship team decided that we would have reaffirmation of baptism. We've done that many times in the past. And usually it's just people coming forward and they dip their fingers in the water and then they make the sign of the cross on their forehead and they just kind of go back to their seat, kind of in a line. Um, This time, uh, Pastor Matt and I were asked if we could stand up front and offer prayer to people after they did the reaffirmation of baptism. And I thought because I've watched this happen so many times before, no one's going to come. There's going to be maybe two Mm. who will come to us and ask for prayer, but people will just kind of do the line and kind of get, you know. But that's not at all what happened. What happened was a holy moment. Mm. Uh, What happened was almost everybody, they were waiting in line to come pray with us. And the number of people who came to pray with me with tears in their eyes, because somehow they encountered something holy when they dipped their fingers. Like that moment, there was a way in which God was present. And it was not at all what I expected. Um, And it was just kind of instructive to me, I think, of like oftentimes those moments uh, it just like God, like I think the the way people often say it is God decides to show up. Mm. And I felt like that happened. And we we need to make room for that, right? Yeah. So I guess, I mean, we didn't really answer the question, but <laughs> how, how do we experience con- like true connection? Like how do we actually experience it? Mm. Well, I think uh, one way is that we need to be present in God's presence. I was thinking about a time in my life when I felt separated from God. Um, And probably the longest period of that time was when I was in graduate school. Um, And I was at a graduate school that was very, very secular. I had really never been in an environment that was as secular as where I was. And I, um, I was a Christian. Um, I sought to connect to a church. I had really 
bad in- encounters when I went. To, I mean, uh, they were really bad fits for me. I didn't feel like I could experience God or connect with those people. Um, I was actually rather sharply criticized at one of the churches that I attended, and I was like, okay, I'm not going back there. Um, it's, it's hard when you're feeling, you know, you're in a new environment and you go to the church for a first time and you don't feel like you're welcomed. Right. And I was super busy in graduate school. And so I just had enough of these bad experiences that I gave up mm. and I was not, I was not only not surrounded by Christians. I don't know if I was with any, around anyone who was a Christian. I was so alone. Um, and my faith withered. It just, I allowed it to wither. Like, I take responsibility for that. Uh, but it was a, it's a reminder to me of the importance of the people with whom I surround myself. Mm, it's beautiful. Well, I hope that this uh, has been a, a, a convicting or compelling conversation for, for you uh, listening today. Uh, Wherever you need to be challenged, and I know that there's probably a challenge that I'm I'm hearing for myself. Uh, whether it's in leadership, whether it's as owning your faith, I think the reminder that we have is that the gospel is such a large, beautiful, vast, uh, deep, deep gospel. Uh, and so when we when we fail to uh, recognize that and make room for that depth in our lives and in our church communities we miss out on a major part of what this is intended to, to be in our lives and in the world around us. Uh, so Janet, thank you so much. Uh, would you be willing to pray for our time together? Absolutely. It was great to talk with you, Mitch. God, we just thank you. God, we thank you for Romans 8. We thank you for the promises that we hold on to in this chapter, that all things do work together for good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, for the promise that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, for the promise that nothing, nothing will ever separate us from your love. God, help us to live into these promises, to claim them for ourselves. Um, God, help us when we feel separated from you to find ways to connect with you. And God, I thank you that your word is true, and God, that we can hold on to it. May it be not just in our minds, but in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning into this conversation. Uh, Our hosts, again, are me, Mitch Marceau, and Janet Derwachter. Our editor is Katie Conrad. And if you want to hear the full message that we discuss, you can find them on our anchor.fm or YouTube channel. You can learn more about First Church by checking out our website, downloading our app, or following us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at First Church Williamsport. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day.